Welcome to the future of gaming. GM friends and welcome to the future of gaming. You are listening to our weekly podcast. We have the usual crew, Philip Collins, Devin Becker, myself, Nico Vreke, and today we have a special guest, Matej Lancharic. Matej, I just remembered. So La- Matej nice. and I, we go way back in podcasting land, like You're almost two years. And I remember the first time I introduced you, I said Matej, <laughs> and you were like, no, that's Nico, you had one yeah, job. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's always like that. It's always like yeah. that. And I understand the J at the end is really confusing, but yeah. still. So we discussed pre-year recording like, ah, so Matej yes and immediately yeah. we went into the recording oh hello this is Matej like, ah, Jesus the stress man the stress I can <laughs> handle it now, now I'm better anyway so no, it's great Matej is when I think of an UA expert a user acquisition expert I think of Matej right nice he is well known in the space he um, you know the reason I like him even more is because he hosts a podcast right um, exactly so uh, it's called Two and a Half Gamers Podcast with Felix and Jakub um, they were friendly enough to have me as a as a guest. We talked twice. about twice, three, twice actually. Twice, we talked yeah. about Y three, and now I'm like, yo, future of gaming, um, acquiring users is also important. <laughs> so why not get Matej on and, and talk a bit about that? So the goal is to talk about UA, but I've said the goal is to talk about X a lot, and then we talk about Y. So let's see where we end up. <laughs> I would say um, maybe first a little bit of news. So we didn't like last. Uh, episode what, what did we talk about it's a while ago right oh with Peyton I believe yes um, and I think the Super Bowl had just happened or it maybe just not happened before we recorded but anyway it happened and there was a lot of buzz around the Super Bowl in Web3 gaming land because <laughs> our lord and savior Gabe Layden said yo I'm gonna have an ad for Digi Gaigaku Digi Daigaku on the Super Bowl and it's gonna bump the price and we're gonna I'm gonna bring free to own to the whole world and so what happened I didn't see this live, but what happened was there was an ad of a, a very cheap, like Facebook's ad style, ah, like come fairies, on, those are the best. What are and you then talking there's suddenly a QR code, <laughs> and there's just a QR code. <laughs> yeah. And if you scan that, I think the four thousand first ones to scan it or something, the ones that were lucky got to mint something for free, and then yeah. all of the others got led to um, or directed towards the freaking Gay Bladens, not even the companies, Gay Bladens uh, Twitter profile. <laughs> and so I'll tell you, I'll give you my hot take from the start, and then you can give yours. Uh, Mate, I'd love to have your thoughts. So if I'm an investor, right, we know that the final valuation of the, l- the final round for um, limit break was $2 billion. If I give money to a founder and they take $6.5 million of that and they buy an ad on the freaking Super Bowl, and then they use that ad to get people to their own Twitter profile to get more followers, <laughs> I will be very happy. That's, that's all I'm saying. But uh, what's your yeah. what's your take? Of course, you would be happy. It's uh, that would be the most expensive follower boost campaign ever uh, in the history of Twitter as well. That's that's what, at least that's what I posted. Uh, now, apparently, that um, NFTs went really out quick, like two seconds, and then everybody else was just like forwarded to the uh, Gabe's uh, Twitter account. Amazing! <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just terrible. It's like that that money could be used in a very different way. But, you know, that's my, let's call it the traditional UA thinking, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do it on the on the Super Bowl at all. But, you know, Gabe has a history of Super Bowl ads for um, the previous company, Machine Zone. They did it multiple times, Kate Upton, then somebody else as well. So I guess, you know, 
<laughs> it's well positioned <laughs> to That's spend the money during the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I feel like Gabe's always been known for being incredible at capturing attention. And what you do automatically get from running a Super Bowl ad, regardless of the cost, is purely viewership. And the, the, the event had, I think, 113 million viewers is what I saw. And so the, the theoretical per eyeball cost isn't too bad. I think what, what I was a little disappointed in is it, it almost highlighted the problems with Web3 onboarding where I saw so much confusion around, all right, yeah. scan the QR code, what next? And so while Gabe definitely got the, the eyeballs that he, he really bought, the, the trope around UA and onboarding for the average player in, in blockchain gaming being really complicated was almost just furthered and so i think that yeah. was a little bit of a step back and so while he got the eyeballs he just he didn't really get the the acquisition of users that i was kind oh, of hoping they'd be no able way. to achieve and also like a lot of scammers actually popped up immediately so one of our friends from uh the constructor fan ethan he got <laughs> scammed and they oh, really? just lost the ad the nft uh, yeah so there you go <laughs> poor, poor dude yeah so Matei put yourself in the head of Gabe Layden. What was the goal here? Because it feels like he had hundreds of different possibilities and he chose this one. Yeah, right? of course. Was this laziness or was this no. very, very specifically chosen? Very specifically chosen, I would say. So you can see his uh, communication on Twitter. Like the self-esteem, man, it's it's there. <laughs> you want to be just build the hype around yourself. You want to be seen, eyeballs, like I uh, mentioned. <laughs> that's that was all there so i'm pretty sure that uh the the follower or like the the re redirection to his uh twitter account was just on purpose it was like the safest way um to go even uh i would actually send uh players to some somewhat something else like website or whatever maybe even company company page but then you know he's the face yeah. I guess it's a way of like capturing email addresses, like a new version of that, right? Where like, yeah. oh, we don't we don't have the product that you're looking for, so sign up. Yeah, yeah, but then you pay like two hundred dollars for a, for a follower. That's that's fucking expensive. You can do it very, <laughs> you can do it more efficiently for sure. Yeah, but we've also talked about this in the past, where pre Super Bowl as well. Gabe has used controversy to stir attention. And so, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he intentionally wanted there to be this controversy and some people saying, oh, I got so much attention. And some people saying, oh, it was terrible. Because it actually has continued the conversation yeah. for a duration that I think few Super Bowl ads actually are able to achieve. And over, you know, I guess a week later almost, we're, we're still discussing the Limit Break Super Bowl ad. I haven't talked about a single other ad in the Super Bowl for more than an hour there was other ads? ever. So, yeah. Yeah. Dude. It's it's either Limit Break or Rihanna being pregnant. Nothing else. Nothing <laughs> has happened. So I didn't even know about things. Rihanna being pregnant, so thanks for sharing that. It's because you didn't scan the QR code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twitter. Dude, he actually probably tweeted that next. Dude, Phil, like, Gabe's in my head, man. He, he really he, is. He just, he has me. And, he, and he's yeah. done that through his Twitter in the past. And that's what makes me think that maybe there's maybe there's a second level of thinking that he's using here. Yeah. But um, he has he has our attention. And yeah. that is that is valuable in itself. In, in gamer speak, we call that a five head. You know, the guy's just 9000 IQ and just way ahead <laughs> of us. 
Um, anyway, good. Enough about Gabe Layden, and uh, because he's he's just winning. We're making him. He bought more airtime with yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about this. By the way, if you want to have Devin's very in-depth insights, like he's been silent, more silent than you expect from him, you should get on the Navic. It's the it's the Navic Pro. Yeah, the Navic Pro right? blockchain for for next week teaser Boom. that will come out on Monday. There'll all be right. some more more nice. details and and all the Digiday yeah. crap you could take. So if you if you had looked at Devin while we were speaking, you could see some some of the veins start you know growing yeah. growing because there's so much in there that he wants to come out. So that's being found in the the Navic Pro uh, blockchain part. Good. On to um, user acquisition or the future of UA. Matei, why don't you walk <laughs> us through maybe the current state of Web 2 UA? Because I think that's like that's your expertise, and then we can take it into what this looks like for you know Web 3 gaming. Um, uh, afterwards yeah so we are already in the stage when everybody's talking about ua is dead so ua is dead thank you very much one thank you for listening we can we can, we can end the <laughs> conversation here now uh jokes aside uh, obviously since um the privacy changes happened on ios which was a few years back can you quickly elaborate, like give us like a one minute overview of what exactly happened with those privacy changes? So in the world of UA, you always had an identifier for all the players. Uh, so then you could track them, you could uh, see the performance over time, you could do whatever you want with that identifier. This is still happening. Uh, this is still available on Google, but it's also moving away. And it was called IDFA, so Identifier for Advertising. So as soon as you bought the player, got into the game you could see like okay so this one is earning this much money you could do whatever build uh, audiences with this uh, do retargeting with this id multiple different options so apple said okay fuck off guys this is ending here so let's let's uh let's work on the privacy a little bit more and then they got rid of the the idfa, IDFA. so basically now you can't pretty much track the the users on the on the user level you can do it on the campaign level you can do it with different uh like geeky stuff that i don't want to go too much into it because that would be a a different episode as well so you can use different methodology for this and since that happened uh it basically changed the whole ua on ios pretty much because you can all only see the first 24 hours of um, certain uh player's journey let's call it that way and then after 24 hours you you can't see you can't see anything basically so so that kind of impacts like how you look at things uh, on the ua uh, you can't say which campaign is more profitable or less profitable how it is performing you can't say to a certain extent but not as before so that means you need to switch the the methodology or the evaluation lenses from deterministic, which is the user level, to kind of probabilistic. So now you kind of are half blind, but it's actually kind of nice because then it uh, the playing field is leveled for everybody, and then you see like who is actually doing uh, the job better and and worse. Because then you need to adapt to these changes. So. You need to look at the first 24 hours. You need to look. You need to work more closely with game teams, because you need to get as many events from the game to the UA channels as possible to be able to, you know, work on the campaigns and optimize properly. So that was kind of happening before, but now it's like that's important. You need to work with your game team to actually make it happen. If it doesn't happen, 
then you're screwed. Uh, you won't be able to optimize the campaigns properly. So that's 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 one thing. And then you then if you if you're a small company, you have a big problem because you don't have the data team. And then it's yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. But then it comes back to the like very basic equation cpi versus the ltv or how much money i spend versus how much money i earn if you don't have you know more sophisticated data teams and evaluation processes or whatever ltv models you just go you look how much money you spend how much money you earn and then kind of run the ua on ios on google it's kind of easy you can see uh, still everything uh, but obviously as soon as the ios changes happened the android became more expensive because bigger companies and well, even smaller companies, they didn't know how to react. So they dropped all the spend on iOS and moved all the spend to Android. What, the, what does it mean? It increases the CPI because the competition increased and the budget was just shifted towards the, the Android. So uh, like all in all, uh, everybody's talking about how UA is that. That's why I, I, uh, I kind of uh, started with that. It's not. It's just changed, and it's going to change all the all the time in the future. We just need to change our kind of processes in, in our heads and how uh, how we look at things. Uh, and it's going to be hard. So uh, it's not going to get any easier. Um, so yeah. So it's current landscape. It's tough. It, CPIs are increasing always, but then and then the. the times when uh, you had one or two big channels like Facebook, Google, or something else, and you were running like millions on these two channels and nothing else, that's just gone. You need to diversify, have more channels at the same time running, which creates another like headaches and, and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty much uh, summarizing all, it's hard, not going to mm -hmm. get any better. But I love it. <laughs> yes, because Matei helps companies uh, overcome the carnage that has become UA. And that's how you make your money. So um, yeah. I guess the more complex these <laughs> yeah, things get. Yeah, I'm complaining, yeah. Exactly. I have more work. I have more work uh, since uh, the iOS changes happened. But of course, like the thing is, uh, if you're a big company and you need to make the changes in the game, that's hard and it takes ages. If you're a small company and you are flexible and agile, you can make this change, then you win. Easy. So feel free to co correct me, right? But this is the way that I see it. Before ATT, which is app tracking transparency, which is nice. the IDFA deprecation, was yep. the, the thing Apple did that made yep. everything so hard. Um, it was you, on a very granular, le granular level. You could pick a user and see like you know what games they played, how far they got in, in, in certain games. And I guess it was an easy way to get deep insights, a lot of data on users. So you could match a user with a game that you know that they would like and had a high likelihood of spending into. That's a, like one way of looking at targeting options. But yeah, okay. very much. Okay, and then what happened then is because you now have less granular data, you can't follow the user inside the gaming experience, um, it, it becomes harder to match users to certain games, certain experiences. Um, and so the effective um, cost per install for users, uh, well, I, I would say the LTV of users becomes higher, uh, sorry, lower. So the amount of money users spend becomes lower because you're not necessarily matching them with the game that they like. And yeah. 
the and, and on top of that, the cost per install increases because you're showing ads of games that they potentially don't like. Yeah, so the targeting targeting options are now kind of limited. It went from, let's say, targeting interests, uh, building these audiences, lookalike audiences. So you take a set of users, your high-paying users, and you create a lookalike audience you want to target. So it's audience is very likely to be similar to, to this audience. And so this almost gone. So now how you target people these days, it's either you use different types of creatives, so different motivations you kind of put into the front and center of the creative. That's, that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, the events that I mentioned uh, earlier. So tutorial completion, purchase, I don't know, whatever, achieve the level 25, 30, 50, whatever, something. These are the events I'm talking about. So because these events can uh, eventually be used in uh, campaign optimization. So I run a campaign on Facebook. I want to I wanna target up event optimized campaigns. So I put level 25 in this campaign optimization. What does it mean for me is that Facebook is going to look for players that are more likely to achieve this within my game and show them ads. Then different these different events bring different types of users and different audiences as well. So if you use then purchase, it's going to be very different than let's say level 25 because eventually level 25 is the goal. Those players are going to be acquired. If it purchases the goal, obviously that's a slightly different audience. Appreciate that. Any questions, Phil, Devin? Um, I have some, yeah, I have some follow-up questions, but want to give you you guys a chance to uh, to comment or uh, ask anything. Yeah, what what are the main strategies you've seen on the ad side to adapt to this new reality? Because I think something we hear a lot about is a lot of game genres that have historically relied on advertisements are just trying to become more in-app purchase friendly, and and that's one way to to get around all the changes in the advertising landscape. But specifically within ads, how are people reacting and adapting to the new reality? So, I mean, ads revenue-based games, right? Okay. So uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard on the on, on that side, but some uh, attribution providers, which is just uh, Upslayer or Singular, you so let's go a little bit a little bit geeky in here. So you, you use uh, for the, the iOS campaigns conversion schema uh, to be able to actually capture the events on the first twenty four hours. So I usually use revenue schema, which uses purchases as the main event easy for the purchase campaigns. With ads, you can actually, in let's say in Singular, you can combine the ads revenue with in-apps revenue. And in that case, that can help you with uh, the campaign optimization. So I'm trying to like send as many events as possible in the first 24 hours. That's the first uh, first day. Uh, and uh, even in these like changes or the after the privacy changes happened, there are some tricks that you can use to actually improve increase the number of like uh, percentage of opt-in players so they can actually share the IDFA because it's not gone it just up to the user or the player if he or she want to share the, the IDFA with uh, with the company there are different uh, different things like you can use different messaging um, different op different uh, visual styles and stuff like that to, to improve the opt-in rates and as soon as you get pretty nice threshold of the opt-in rate, which I'm hearing now, it's still like 40%. It's not 10% or 15%, whatever, like uh, was discussed before. 40% is not bad. And some some ad revenue-based games kind of 
you improved it to 60 to 70 percent if you are on that level then that not that much actually changed for for you as a, as a game of course it requires a lot of work to actually get there do you think this affects games that are doing like um, that's kind of bait switch advertising? You know, like the pull the pin kind of Man. things like that, where they're just like you know spending a bunch of money on this sort of bait switch stuff, and then can't the same way see like how well that works and things like that. Like, I wonder if it affects those at all. Oh well, uh, it affects those as well, but they kind of uh, overcame this with these fake ads because with using fake ads and then using these fake elements in the in the game afterwards they create some kind of illusion uh, for the players or like the expectation flow is is almost brilliant uh, you see fake ad then you see fake screenshots and then actually in the, in the t- tutorial you see that fake creative so then you, you land in the game and it's like oh wow this is great so I, I've been uh, reading reddits for Hero Wars and there are some some players that are still like trying to to get the pull the pin puzzles in the late game, and they're just commenting, "Oh, I'm really looking forward to see those puzzles again." <laughs> it's like, dude, like that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so it never happens. Uh, so with these like these fake ad strategies, you are actually going really broad uh, because it's really fake. So you are kind of achieving really low cpi so the funnel it's like it's really wide and then eventually you have higher chance of getting payers afterwards because you have like a higher pool of users that are getting in the in the game so like fake ads now oh, it's i would never i mean I, I never you never say never but it's like these companies that are right now like kingdom guard and top war and all these games hero wars as well mighty party x hero they're geniuses, seriously. Like, I'm, I'm so surprised, like, how they can actually earn, like, they earned before using these fake ads, they earned, like, 50K monthly revenue. Now they're on, like, 8 millions <laughs> a month. They, they didn't, didn't change a single thing in the game. They just added these fake ads into the game in between levels. Genius. Seriously. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's why I wonder if they, like, uh, with the inability to target as well, and them already having a super wide funnel thing, they actually yep. almost have an advantage now. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. That's a strategy that's encouraged even more because it's like, hey, if you can't target well anyways, just use this super broad funnel strategy to try and just shotgun everyone yep. and convert them however you can. I, I, know, I know they kind of had to add some of that stuff into the game too because they got in trouble. Like where yeah. they're like, you guys don't have this in the game at all. It's completely false. Everything's like, well, now we do. And it's like, now, yeah, oh, now okay, we do. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So like the, we talked about <clears throat> machine zones. They had also a shotgun approach with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, man, he was fucking everywhere. I opened up Fridge Arnold Schwarzenegger. Almost every, so this He just did like a war, uh, World of Tanks one or something like that too, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I think so. Ah, that was very weird. Oh, I know, I know, I know. That was very, like, recent, I think, like, a few months ago, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that, that was super weird, that. But, like, Machines, on, they, they had also this, like, shotgun approach, like, to be everywhere, like, bought all the, all the impressions on the, on all the fucking internet. So this is not as aggressive as, as that, but uh, it definitely works. So I had, like, this random call from the random guys from, from Thailand, uh, like, hey, man, so thank you very much for crystallizing the, the fake ads, like, strategy. Because we have a strategy game, and now we actually implemented some, like, merging mechanics into the <laughs> into the game, and we are trying to, because we tried to test it out on the creative side, and it really decreased our CPI from 25 to 15. So now I was like, ah, okay, let's uh, let's try to A-B test it. And, and they said, oh, well, it, it's working quite well. 
There you go. Easy. <laughs> I, it always begs that question of like, why don't you just make that game? Right? Like that, that, like, why are you not just making that then? I mean, the thing it's, is, it's such a weird, like there's, there's obviously reasons why you don't just, but it's like, it's such a weird bait and switch strategy where you're like, let me show you this kind of crappy game that you might like because it's, even though it's stupid and then put you in like potentially a better game. But like we had to sucker you in with like the crap. It's almost like, you know, candy in the back of a van or puppies or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the but, van, you know, at that point. So why you don't make these games? Because they, these uh, these games doesn't ha- uh, don't have the the high LTV as the yeah. the original games. So of co- of course, like you are, kind of the onboarding of the of the user is very like easy, and also the the Kingdom Guard. So it's a forex game, really like hardcore game. They have tower defense in the first twenty of twenty minutes of the pl- uh, gameplay. It's just tower defense. Oh, this is amazing, right? And then bam, you are in forex immediately. And it's like, oh, when did this happen? amazing really like this is genius <laughs> they're making so much money so that's why you know they can squeeze the most out of the players afterwards i mean i don't know how involved you are in like creatives and stuff but like i notice a trend for example in in lots of these ads um there's the idea of showing like the player that the simulated player failing all the time i mean is that like a pretty persistent strategy in terms of like hey getting players to think i could do better and that's why those yeah. are working the creative actually ends also with the headline, can you do better? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that works quite well. So I have 10 motion designers in my, my creative team, and we use the fail creatives quite a lot. It works really well. And also these uh, like different concepts, like these fake, fake ones, oh, I want to see this in the game, creates illusion, works. Or um, I want to save, well, the Royal Match from uh, um, Dream Games from Turkey, they use the save the king uh, concept, works well because oh i want to save this this king as well i guess it doesn't appeal to the people that would um, remove the ladders in the pool in sims right <laughs> pretty much so mate how has the like value accrual within the ua space of mobile games changed because of these um these the the idfa changes i'm like curious who won and who lost um, and also, I'd love to understand like how the um, CPI and LTV dynamics have changed. So, uh, who won? I think uh, the smaller, more flexible companies, uh, because they can change the the early day or early metrics and also early tutorial, final FTUE, whatever uh, in the game, so they can capture more events uh, and send it back to the UA channels. Also, the like. Some genres do better than the others. Of course, let's let's um, try match-free games. They usually monetize way like longer payback period. So they don't monetize on day one, day seven. It usually gets day 30, 60 year. So usually these companies they are trying to aim for two year payback period. So in two years they're gonna gonna get the, their money back. Uh, so the companies that are actually have like shorter payback periods. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, they kind of see better results. And also, like, front-loading the monetization in the day one, day seven, um, that kind of helps with uh, overcome these, like, challenges because you have, like, shit tons of uh, events that you can send, then optimization is kind of, well, easier, easier. In terms of the LTV versus uh, the CPI, so, honestly, before this happened, iOS always higher CPIs than, than Android, but also higher LTV. So the thing is, like, these, like, high-value players didn't disappear. They're still there. It's 
pretty much like harder to target them. But eventually, if you figure it out, then then you're good. What happened uh, multiple times uh, on some accounts I manage is that the the, uh, the CPI on iOS is lower than the Android because of the competition I mentioned before. So I mean, the right now it's it's great. So it it kind of again helps the the companies that can really make changes quickly, and then can open up like different channels because some channels or UA channels doesn't work don't work that well with iOS. Then the others, for example, for me, TikTok, Facebook still works well. Google doesn't work that well, but it works super well on Android. So you, you need to have these like information in order to, to adapt to what, what happened. And then, you know, life is easy. <laughs> it makes sense TikTok would work pretty well with just how good their algorithm is at targeting people for you. Like, obviously, Facebook was pretty good at that for a while. Uh, and now they're struggling a bit with that. But like TikTok seems to have whatever their their magic sauce is that works, like seems to do really well for that. And I, I keep seeing the trend of TikTok ads being these big success stories for games. Yeah. Uh, which I imagine at some point that becomes saturated, right? And that starts to lose effectiveness. Uh, and then whatever the next thing is, yeah, exactly. it becomes like the next big thing. But it, it's interesting to see like that trend because it's like you didn't think of TikTok as a as an ad platform that in that way like in in terms of like for games and now it's like people are suddenly realizing it and so now it's like oh I didn't think of that as that and now I imagine everyone's gonna move over to it and that'll be a big thing and also like TikTok for example last year and the year before everybody's oh we have uh, you know uh, early access to TikTok uh, ads platform and it's it's working well bullshit it was working really bad i mean i tried tiktok million times two years before last year as well beginning of the year crap suddenly like in the middle of the year august september it started to work quite well because they also obviously worked on the platform and all these like algorithm changes and up even optimized campaigns so you could actually run the purchase campaigns and even targeting value players and whales that helped so much. So, you know, like all these early days, like I don't buy that, like, oh, well, it was working well. No, <laughs> I don't buy that. So now it's now it's actually good because so many people moved there uh, in terms of the content and uh, users. And also they improved quite uh, a lot on the backend side. So now, now it's, yeah, well, now it's working quite well. I'm curious then like what like effect um, – these other platforms that are trying to copy, say, like, you know, like YouTube uh, little shorts. Yeah. Similar to that. Like, like our Instagram reels going to be suddenly a thing for no, these ads. Of course like, no. these, these other kinds of like platforms trying to do these short form content sort of things. Uh, you know, maybe you scan a QR code at the end or something. Uh, you know, it might become like these, these platforms that are uh, suddenly popular where people migrate to just because it's like, you know. It's uh, really, yeah, it's really funny. Like, you know, like you always have these conversations with uh, with representatives from Facebook or Google and they say, oh, well, you know, like we have new new placement reels. Like, yeah, sure. So you need to change this, this and that and then then you're good. I was like, yeah, but you know, I use automate, automated placements so it doesn't matter to me at all. I just, you know, put all the creatives there and your algo do the job. It's like, yeah, but if you do this, then you're, it's better. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like, I tried and it, it sucks. Oh, well, they always try to push whatever is new for them. So I remember these like carousel uh, ads and images. Like this, you had five different static images next to each other and uh, it's re re working really well for e-commerce because you see different products obviously there and they try to push it to gaming like so much. Oh, this is the new best thing. Dude, I was so terrible then like oh you need to create the the story and it needs to match and it's like it's one one great uh, static image 
divided into five. I was like, no. <laughs> and then after like two years, they finally dropped it. Like, oh, well, yeah, you know, you were right. It, it doesn't work for, for games. Like, oh, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> we see that on the numbers. Come on. But they were pushing it so hard. So, Salespeople? Yeah. <clears throat> That's I, how it I'm works. I'm curious then too about the, um, the, the lack of what seems like a lot of competitors with the Raid Shadow Legends strategy of like sponsored video content and stuff like that, that or like, you know, it was Twitch and YouTube and like the, you know, the, or if you want to call it the Nord VPN or audible strategy, like those ones that are just kind of like so much penetration with that. But I don't see a lot of competitors um, ah, because it's, it's watched, expensive like, premium. So I see no ads, <laughs> but I see that sponsored stuff still. Right. It's really expensive, man. So it's, uh, you know, these influencer strategies, of course it works. Uh, but I use it as, uh, let's say, an additional UA channel, so not not as a like main pillar of the strategy of the UA strategy because uh, you can't scale it that much because mm-hmm. you are eventually going to run out of the, the influencers that can actually sponsor like promote your content. Of course, if you're right, Shadow Legends, you can work with Jeff Goldblum or whatever, whoever like different celebrities, obviously. But it's really expensive, uh, but you can afford it. Um, smaller companies. You can see these uh, cooperations here and there, but it's more like Instagram, YouTube, here and there, Twitch, not that much. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's there, uh, but you can't uh, <laughs> compete with rate, unfortunately. And, and have you seen all these changes to UA impact the way that game developers are thinking about structuring games to make them more broadly appealing, broadly applicable, so that your targeted advertising is less relevant in a way. And, you know, maybe that limits whales in some way where you find your most passionate audience, but on average, the users you reach are probably going to be interested in that type of game. So uh, I've definitely seen this, uh, like, shift, and we discussed it actually with Jakub uh, on our last week's uh, live session in uh, in Barcelona to two and a half gamers. So there are these games already, like Fiona's Farm, Frozen City, they actually have like not one game loop, but multiple game game loops and uh, and like multiple, I would call it even like games within one game. So you have, let's call it Frozen City. It's uh, it's idle game and they have um, Animal Warfare, which was like a hyper casual game built within the game. So if, you know, we are waiting for the timers, which is usual for idle games, then you can do the, the fighting and then you can do something else. The same thing with, with Fiona's farm. You have uh, the match free there. You have the farming. You have multiple different things. And this actually gives marketing department really interesting um, opportunities because, you know, it's not fake anymore. So you can use these different uh, game loops and show it in the creatives. And, I mean, obviously it's really hard and uh and long process to get here but this is this is going to be the the new normal so first you run different creatives and see like uh what kind of um game loops work the best in terms of the cps then you build it in the game so then afterwards you you build the game and then you can actually use it without being called like hey this is fake <laughs> this is misleading because Could you, that you be have a future of like hybrid casual stuff where people look to have multiple games within a game. Uh, like, you know, you, you obviously hyper casual struggles right now. Right. But like they're looking for ways to add metagame stuff. It was like, what if the metagame is cramming a bunch of games into one, like the old, the old 500 games in one kind of game things or stuff like that uh, as a way to then hit multiple targets based off the creatives they see rather than, cause like the strategy before for hyper casual is like, let's, you know, pump out a bunch of stuff and see what yep. sticks, right? But you're talking about kind of doing that with the creatives and then maybe even having those things then in the game. In the game, like yeah, afterwards. Micro games within it. Like, is that uh, a way to then retain these users so they don't leave that game because they have other games to play within it? 
Yeah, because then uh, you spend more time in in the game while something else. I don't know, like you're cooking a a, a pie in in the game, and then oh, timer-based stuff. You switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that happens, then you can actually do whatever, whatever, like building mechanic if you have if you have it, or just farm, or just gather resources, or whatever. So that, this is yeah, this is definitely going to be very important, which then puts. UA in front and center of like the game development because you need to test these things out and you need to understand like what works and uh, what kind of audiences you are actually getting with these different uh, mechanics and different games. It's going to be super, super like interesting uh, future. Uh, <laughs> not only of the UA, but also like the game development it's, yeah. as it is. I mean, we see a lot of that in Web3 right now with the hyper-casual ones where it's like a platform with a bunch of different games and stuff like that. So I was curious if that's like bled down into Web2 for like, I know Web2 is not the best term, but you know what I mean? In terms of like, you know, actually trying to, because everyone's talking about hybrid casual and stuff like that and moving into that. So the hybrid casual is, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a while since that ter- like turn was coined, like a, like a few years now. Right, but Voodoo is obviously like a big proponent, for example, of pushing that kind of direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, they're opening like different, uh, you know, um, departments, casual, uh, mid core, now web free as well. So that's why that's why also they said oh, on the uh, like at the PGC uh, January, like oh well, hyper casual is dead. It's like sure, yeah. Oh, when you know hyper hyper casual big publisher says that, I guess that's right. That's true. And then I, I talked to some some uh, like internal people from Wood, like, hey, man, this is like pure PR and marketing. It's like, yeah, I know you're opening new departments, so you you want to get more developers. They're like, yes, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of is course. Is like when Gabe said free to play is dead? <laughs> yeah, I can read yeah. between. <laughs> I can read between lines. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it seems like there's how been, it, works. it seems like there's been two main approaches from a lot of the big hyper casual players. One is just by swimming upstream towards that mid casual mid core genre to try to get people to engage for longer and again shift reliance from ads to in app purchases because people are more willing to more willing to pay if they're engaged in these games for longer periods of time. The second is maintaining the hyper casual game loops but ensuring that when the users churn they churn to their other games and that that's what the, a lot of the web3 strategy seems to be is let's try to get you an asset that you actually care about taking from voodoo game to voodoo game because even if you only stick with this title for two days if you're going to churn we want to make sure you churn to another one of our titles and then two days yeah. later you go to another one of our titles and they just keep you in their infinite loop even if the that's game why we see so many game change. platforms Ecosystems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Ecosystems, platform. Platform is fine. Ecosystem, when I hear ecosystem, is like, ah, shit, like, why? <laughs> it's usually when it's too ambitious, they use that word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it also no, feels the- to me like the ecosystem play or the platform play, for me, these often are the same things or they're used interchangeably. Um, <laughs> it feels to me like in many cases, it is the only way like uh, more casual games make sense with Web3. It's like, why would there be an NFT or even a token um, for this super simple hyper casual game? The only way it makes sense is that there are multiple hyper casual games. So if you have a character in one, then you, and that's an NFT, you can take it to other games similar with tokens. Um, so yeah, I would say yeah, that it's, uh, it's again like uh, shoehorning this technology, which have, well, we've seen quite a lot of. <laughs> but it's weird, though, when you think about, like, say, like, in the arcade model, right? Like, because there was that pocket full of quarters, like, thing that they did, too, like, where they were trying to do their ecosystem thing. But, like, if you take the idea of, like, earning in one game, right, and spending another, you don't go to an arcade and play a machine and get tickets and then shove those tickets into another game in the replacement of tokens, right? Like, it's always, like, 
whittling down to, to cheap, crappy Chinese prizes, you're not actually like able to then move it to another game per se. So it's it's like obviously not the same kind of model, but it's kind of funny to see that like rather than go with the model of let's give you useless NFTs or something as your like prize. Uh, they're trying to give you tokens, which just end up inflationary. And say, like, imagine if you went to play like a crane game, or you know, one of these kind of like ticket games, and it just dumped out a bunch of quarters in the end. And you're like, cool, I'll just go play other arcades with that. Like, that doesn't seem like a very smart model. But suddenly, when you put Web three on it, it seems smart. Yeah, if you put Web three label on almost everything, <laughs> like, oh, suddenly it works. Like, it's genius how? now. How? <laughs> no one's proved this hasn't worked yet. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> That's why I'm like, let's see some analogies. You can see why it obviously won't. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, so to to your point about uh, from hyper casual moving to let's let's call it hybrid casual or, or whatever. Like say games, for example, now they posted some results like how they improved uh, quite a lot on the revenue side as a company and also on the download side as a company when they're trying to move more towards the IIP monetization rather than just uh, in-app ads. And I'm mean, dead growth was incredible <laughs> like they are crushing it yeah and like i think one of the one of the most interesting case studies of a, a well-performing company that's done a good job of avoiding all these pitfalls has been supercell and they they just posted their oh. annual blog let's not go there man let's not go there they, they just posted <laughs> their annual blog later and we're talking about now wanting to, to potentially change even platform expansion um yeah, of and course. so it, do, it does seem like by by avoiding ads, they're now kind of immune to a lot of the the pitfalls that their competitors are dealing with today. And so, who knows? Maybe while other people are trying to address these kind of core business model challenges, they'll be able to do more interesting out of the box innovation over the coming years. And so, I'm curious to see if there is kind of like a divergence of mobile players based on how much time they're having to almost look inwards or go backwards to try to fix core problems in their house versus say hey, we're just going to take what we're doing and expand it and extend into other categories, other areas, and experiment in new ways that mobile hasn't really done in the last few years. Yeah, they also have one game in Soft Launch which has ads in it, uh, and now they're they're going to hire for ad monetization specialists, which never happened before. So I guess like there has be, been also like earthquake within Supercell. So they need to change the strategy quite heavily. And these, like, these blogs... Huge respects to Supercell and the CEO, but this is just fucking PR, and I'm ugh, I can't read it anymore. So uh, yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. I could run for hours. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So, Mate, you're telling us that you turned down their job offer? That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, because they wanted me to to move to Helsinki. I I said no. No. But this lava for life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I mean, like, I can be anywhere in the in the Europe in like two hours. What do you mean? It's uh, it's really crazy. <laughs> including Helsinki, or I including <laughs> Helsinki. Yeah, in Helsinki, two and a half hours. <laughs> so if you want to get from Helsinki to like the south of Spain, which is where you actually want to be, it takes you a while. So yeah, I get it. Oh. I get it. <laughs> it's one hour fifty minute flights from Vienna to Barcelona, so that's easy. It's really easy. Nice. Yeah, Bratislava is, is is right next to Vienna. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So twenty. 30-minute drive to, to airport in, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost nothing. Perfect. Amazing. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So I'm not complaining. So, Matei, um, you mentioned fake ads before. Yeah. What's, um, like, has, has there been any punishment for companies doing fake ads? 
<laughs> are you able to see <laughs> all does the that mean no yeah that, that that means no like, okay uh, like why the thing is like why would facebook google any other network ban these uh, advertisers because they are earning so much money out of it so much money out of it so they always like they said i think two years ago oh well fake ads not gonna happen and we're banning it facebook bam nothing happened and it, it's not gonna happen the thing is also with sexist ads so there are like so many weird concepts um abuse rape and even like right now like there's one interesting concept let's call it women fighting in, in men's face and it's adopted by like five games it's really weird and when you try to actually um submit this for like uh like a band they say oh no 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 it's fine this is fine it's, it's uh, just we, a fetish we, re- we reviewed it's fine like how how is this fine so it's not gonna get it's not gonna get any better uh so no ban and in the near future it's just never happened not gonna happen unfortunately on the other hand, you know, they can't ban them now because you have all these fake elements in the game as well. So um, you are kind of uh, okay after, after, after all. Mm. But the thing is, like, with these fake ads, like, you can ex- actually call CGI, 3D, really, like, interesting uh, high-production value concepts as fake. Because yeah, that's true. Because they're not showing, like, the actual con- uh, gameplay. I mean, yeah. look, look at any E3 trailer, right? And it's the same thing, so... Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So we, no, I, I think that's know, fair. Back in days when I was uh, at Pixel Federation, so we had a train station game, which was 2D platform game where you collect trains. So we had one really, in, like, really, really amazing 3D trailer. And we put it in uh, in the ads. And, man, <laughs> you should see those comments. Oh, this is not like any of the of the game I played afterwards. Wow, what's this bullshit? Like, seriously? <laughs> so, yeah, been there. Uh, mm. <laughs> It's crazy. The final question I have for you, for me, um, you know, before IDFA deprecation, it seemed like the whole UA was figured out and it was a existing playbook and it felt like because of that there was very little innovation and everyone was doing the same thing and following each other. Um, it feels like now there might be a bit more room for creativity and, and dynamism. Do you see us converging towards a like a solution, a solved game and, and a fixed playbook again? Or do you think um, in terms of creativity, the limitations on, on, on uh, targeting users and tracking users are actually a good thing? It's a good thing, oh, of course. I love uh, you know all these changes because then um, it puts you in the in the corner and you need to get uh, and tr- try the way uh, try to find a way how to get out of it. And they call and, you. Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent, but then um, I think I I would argue like there wasn't a playbook or there was like almost a playbook. Uh, things changed on the platform side. Uh, Facebook actually copied the Google algorithms and all these black boxes. So it then like that was like a interesting times for UA managers. There was this meme that actually like two people, one like very geek guy, and these like different. Uh, uh, takes like oh well I'm trying to run tens of thousands campaigns and bidding and moving and, and trying to optimize and then there was this like guy like oh two months uh, I didn't even look at the the campaigns algorithms took care of it still profitable so there were these times when you didn't really have to do that much and obviously with IDFA change like 
that that ended. <laughs> it kind of ended. So the good old days, or not good old days, uh, but like a few years back, that changed. And now the, the Google is doing the same thing as, as I, um, iOS did. So they're moving away from the GA ID, which is uh, the Google Advertising ID. And move, they're doing it a little bit more developer-friendly. So they're actually talking to companies uh, to find the, the better way how to do it and not, not just say, like, oh, now it's done figure it out <laughs> uh, so that opens up again like you said a lot of room for creativity you know you need to find like loopholes how to make things happen what do you need to change and it's still evolving so there's this like I mentioned the conversion schemas that's called that is called scan now there is moving there we are moving towards a scan 4.0 where you will have more let's call it evaluation data points for creatives, for campaigns, and, and it's not going to be only day one, but also like multiple days, which creates again, like uh, another complexity on top of what we <laughs> we were used to uh, years uh, years ago. So yeah, it's, it's going to be even more fun. It's great. You, you know, uh, busy is always better than, uh, you know, just doing nothing. So I guess uh, it's all about the learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I and and you know me when I talk when I talk about iOS changes, I'm always positive. <laughs> I'm always I, I maybe too much, and it can be annoying, of of course, but it's it's great. I love it. So you spend your time within the Web two gaming crowd way more than uh, Devin, Phil, or myself. Um, what is the the what is the current take on on Web three? I feel like I've I've been positively surprised about the narrative where people are not shitting on it that much. Maybe it's because the shitting on it was a sort of allergic reaction against all of the shilling of it. You yeah. Know? What's 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 your view? So pretty much, uh, I would say Web three UA uh, in the like the the hype days was all all about building communities, uh, which obviously is a great thing. You should build communities around your game that can definitely help, but it's not a scalable solution. So uh, right now, when the hype ended, now you actually and and the games are more closer to being finalized and actually being launched. Then you need to use all these like email sign-up campaigns and all these like different uh, types of campaigns to actually drive traffic to your page, to your social media, <clears throat> email sign-ups, whitelist, whatever. And then we are coming back to the actual Web2 UA because it's the same thing. You use TikTok, you use Google, you use YouTube, you use maybe Twitter a little bit, but now it's it's actually banned for Web3. <laughs> so And then you use Facebook. And that's the same same kind of like UA channel mix that I use for, for mobile games. You just need to think about different tracking solutions, different campaign optimizations. So I, I talked about the, the purchase or the event optimized uh, campaigns. You use then conversions from the website, which you then track back to campaigns. You then need to have Facebook Pixel or Google Analytics or Mixpanel or whatever segment in the on the web. And it's the same thing, <laughs> eventually. So now you know you you uncover these things and 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 figure out like ah okay so community is fine, but uh, it's not scalable to millions. So what do I need to do? Hmm. Let's look at the the web two UA. Let's let's call Mate. Yeah. Let's just put a Super Bowl. Run a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I'm just curious too, like, and, and how that, uh, if there's like thinking around the UA when it comes to user targeting because of wallets and, and some financial transparency that exists that doesn't exist in Web2, and whether or not that's like something people are starting to factor in, even for games that are primarily Web2 games, but have maybe a Web3 component or something where maybe you could go, hey, my game's not even that much of a Web3 game, but maybe this is a good audience for me to target and I can see the whales and. You know, stuff like so, that. Sure, but then like the the wallets IDs, it's it's kind of against the privacy issues, right? So, <laughs> yes, no, right? Like because like yes, obviously no, yeah. there's tons of ways to encourage people to connect to their Discord, to connect True. to their Twitter, to connect to any other social element. People do it all the time, where it's like if you want to win this free NFT, you've got to connect it to your socials and tweet. And yeah. like there's there's all these ways to to get people to opt in and opt out of the privacy. And, and I'll be honest, like the majority of users are not going to care about privacy down the road oh, yeah, until it, like, unless it actually affects them, say for, you know, IRS coming after them or something like that. Uh, so I imagine that will be something like that will become maybe part of no, a UA yeah, playbook very, in the future. It's going to be very interesting. Like if, if, uh, if people actually find out these like workarounds and how to use the wallets to actually target people on different channels. Yeah. That could be very. Valuable. There's companies saying that they can do that, right? That they yeah, can like, uh, yeah. supposedly, like, oh, we we have like millions of socials that we know exactly whose wallet yeah, it is, yeah. and I don't know how true that is, but there's people already exactly. like definitely throwing money at that problem. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the same thing as uh, when I talk to companies and they say, oh, we have this idea uh, for game. Like, yes, you have this idea now, but you need to think of like ten other companies they're all already building it. So I was like, ah. Oh. Really? And yeah, of course. So this is, this is the same thing. So there are definitely companies are actually building this. And I know about one company just based in Barcelona. They actually have this like wallet ad network, whatever. And I guess it works, but I haven't tried it before. But, you know, in this, yeah, in this uh, times when uh, you don't have that many targeting uh, options, you try to leverage whatever it's out there. Well, I imagine, too, like even stuff with like um, KYC and stuff like that, you start to have ways to force people to tie to personal information. Or let's say you have them buying a physical thing with their crypto and now they're tying it to their home address where they're mailing it to. And like there's so many ways to incentivize oh. people to volunteer that information, I think. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's it's actually, yeah, that uh, kind of happened, uh, I think, on the mobile side. But then um, if you read through the guidelines, it's you are uh, on the iOS side, you are not actually allowed to incentivize, uh, incentivize people. And that's what blocks it, right? It's just but Apple and, and Google being yeah. gatekeepers, right? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah so exactly. if we open that up, because web doesn't really have a platform yet, like the, the yeah, internet, exactly. like there's plenty of Wild West tactics that I oh, imagine will like get cemented over time. Of course. Yeah, of course. So they were, I, 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 I'm in the industry for 10 years. So I remember this like this like browser to, to mobile uh, change and then like, like everybody's like, oh, well, browser is dead. Now it's like we're getting back to what browser. Like, oh, well, there's so much untapped potential in browser. Like, we should we should definitely be there. Like, come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's true. It's true because then from web you can you can do so many creative things. How to send people actually to to mobile apps, to mobile web, whatever, and then like connect uh, everything together. Brilliant. I think as soon as Apple uh, like Apple Pay stuff has crypto. MetaMask tied to it, kind of crap. Then it's it's just over. Mobile wins, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Mobile will always win. I think ah. when it comes to games. <laughs> well, I mean, if and... you look at the geography of the world in terms of like uh, distribution of people and the the main yeah. computer they use, I think there's a reason why mobile wins. Yeah, and you know, I think that's one of the conclusions we can draw. The other conclusion that we can draw is that, at least in the long term, um, the more like as things change with crypto. 
will still always revert back to traditional UA methods because these are irre like these are irrespective of uh, technologies that yeah. underlie the different games. Right? Yeah, games we didn't might invent have advertising. Layers. <laughs> Sorry, games didn't invent advertising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we we might do a little bit like a few more very shitty ads during Super Bowls, but apart from that, I mean, <laughs> it's all going to stay the same. And Matei is still going to have a job. I think that's that's what we can conclude from yeah, this. Pretty much. This it's just going to change. It's going to change and evolve. That's yeah. that's how it is. I've I heard UAs that like millions of times in my career. Not the full ten anywhere. years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, Every still year. rocking. Yeah, fantastic. Good. All right. This was uh, this was amazing. I, I gathered nice. a lot of in insights. I do feel like I have to listen another another time to make sure I absorb it all because <laughs> there was a lot of things going on. But hey, thank you so much for joining, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a real pre pleasure. It's great. Devin, Phil, as usual, you guys are amazing. Thanks for joining. And listener, you are the most amazing of all. Thank you for listening. <laughs> My editor asks me to tell you to press the subscribe button the notification bell and all that good stuff uh, if you're on Spotify feel free to give us a rating if you like what we're doing let us know join the Discord if you haven't already we also do weekly town squares where you can ask questions we've done we've been doing some pitch review sessions so if you're Ooh. an early stage Web3 founder even a Web2 games founder and you want to get us our feedback on either a pitch deck or on the pitch itself um, let us know we can get set that up we've been doing that it's been good it's been really helpful I think um you know, I get to learn how Phil looks at decks and the other way around, and it's been good. So, all right. Matei, Devin, Beck, uh, Devin and Phil, thank you so much, and have a, a great rest of your day, and let's speak together next week. Bye. Peace. Peace.